Hi, I'm Kayla. And I'm Alicia, Kayla's mom, and you're listening to True Crime Exposed. Welcome back. I am super excited to share with you that I'm going to be at CrimeCon this year in Vegas. No, I'm not there on podcast row, but you know, that's the goal one day. I actually bought these tickets, well, my mom bought these tickets for me for my birthday last year before we even started a podcast. We had bought them, you know, early in the year. So, I am going to be there though. I'm go I'm so excited to learn so much information to connect with other people who are in the true crime community that love this community and are doing the good work. So, if you're going to be there and you listen to this show, please DM me on any social media or email me at truecrimeexposed at gmail.com and we can meet up there and we can chat and that would just be so fun. It would be the perfect place to meet some of you. So definitely let me know. Now today's episode, it's frustrating because there are so many questions. Maybe you can give a little insight to it or maybe you live near where this disappearance took place in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And if you know anything about it, please share these tips with the Baton Rouge Police Department. This is a story that needs to be talked about. It's a story that no one is talking about. And it's not fair. And it's not right. And I want to know what happened to Tamika Anderson. With that, are you ready for today's case? So it's February 23rd, 2010, when Tamika Anderson decides that today is the day she's going to purchase a car. Tamika had just received her tax return, so she had this extra money and she needed it to finally get a car of her own. She had been working super hard as a young mother to provide a life for her children and to purchase a new but used car would not only be doing something for herself, but it would also benefit her two sons as well. So Tamika's family and friends, they had received excited phone calls from Tamika on that February 23rd day, all about her plans for purchasing this car. Now, her name would pop up on their phones as Keisha because this is a nickname that everyone close to Tamika called her. Friends and family congratulated her on this next step in life, and none of them had any worrisome thoughts surrounding this news, at least no worrisome thoughts yet. And like I said, Tamika was a young mom. So at this time in 2010, she was 25 years old with an 11-year-old son as well as a 2-year-old son. So being 25 with an 11-year-old child means that Tamika became a mom at the young age of 14 years old. Oh. Yeah, that could not have been easy. Being like a child yourself and having a child, yet clearly she was killing it in motherhood. She was taking care of her kids. She had a second baby. Is she a single mom? Well, it does seem that her boyfriend at the time, at this time in 2010, it does seem to be the same boyfriend that she had her first and second son with. 
Wow. Grew up together and made it work. So it seems that her family was tight-knit and supportive, so everyone came together to give Tamika's firstborn a good childhood. They helped her raise that little boy, and the man Tamika is dating in 2010, like I said, does seem to be the father of both of her children. So again, something that could not have been easy, young teenagers raising a baby together, I feel like probably rarely make it through without some serious challenges, but they persevered and they eventually had that second son who is two years old at this time. Now, I keep saying the word seems. Seems that Tamika's family was tight-knit. Seems that Tamika's boyfriend is the father of both of her children. And I have to use this word because this is just one of those cases. A case that has been reported on so little that the information available is like the tiniest blimp of info on the internet. So this case to me seems super easy, like it could be solved super easily, but so much information is missing, yet the community didn't cry out to help Tamika's family. The police have barely put any information out there publicly. So Tamika's family and her sons have just been left wondering, praying for answers that have not come. So I thought maybe by, you know, someone hearing this story or by sharing this story, one day maybe there can be pressure put on police to give the public some sort of information on the case, maybe find some answers and to take a real true look at Tamika, aka Keisha Anderson's case. So that day that Tamika is ready to make this purchase, she heads over to Telco Federal Credit Union and it's in her hometown of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And she withdraws $1,000 that she plans to purchase that car with. Now, this car isn't at like a new or used car dealership. She's planning to meet someone in Galvez, Louisiana, which is about 25 miles from Baton Rouge. And this person has the car Tamika wants to buy. So she's getting that money, then she's going to go meet up, and they'll exchange the money, she'll get the car, you know how it works. Now, we don't know how Tamika came across this car. The possibilities could be endless, but if she is the one who set up this meeting, I would assume she maybe found this car for sale online somewhere like Craigslist. Maybe she came across an advertisement in the paper. I'm not sure, but she has this meeting set up to go buy this car for $1,000 cash. So do we know what kind of car she was looking for? Nope. <laughs> Just one of another piece of missing information. Wow. Yeah, there's a lot of info just even surrounding this meetup and this car sell. It's like if the police gave the public that info, it could narrow down the possibilities in her case so much more. But I feel like, do they even have that info? Like, is that why it's not out there? Like, did they even check? So we'll kind of get into all of it. So it's Detective Lindsay Keller with the Baton Rouge Police Department who will later say that when Tamika is en route to Galvez to purchase this vehicle, she does use her own cell phone to call both family and friends, letting them know that she is on her way there to pick up the car. But Tamika, she never purchases a car. She never returns home with this car and she is never seen from or heard from again. Soon, her family would realize that something was very wrong. Tamika was super excited about this purchase. She would have come straight back home. She would have been showing it off, showing all her family and friends, her boyfriend, her kids, but she doesn't do that. 
She isn't home that night to get her children ready for bed. She isn't home in the days following to send her 11-year-old off to school and care for her two-year-old. And this was just not like her. People don't usually just abandon their own kids without a word, and especially without a trace. So Tamika is then reported missing, and her family hits the streets hard. They are traveling up and down Ascension Parish Road and Baton Rouge, just handing out flyers, asking every passerby if they've seen her, but there's no luck. They keep getting met with the same answers. No, I haven't seen her. No, I haven't heard from her. I'll keep an eye out. And it's discouraging because the only thing they're getting from the police is that maybe she walked away from her life. They don't have any evidence of foul play. Well, that's weird. She's missing. Yeah, like she went to buy a car and she never came home. That kind of is a red flag. Yeah. Like who'd she meet up with? What if that person was crazy? Exactly. Like there is evidence of foul play because she has two young children and she's not home. Yeah. So... Let's just take it as it looks. (laughs) So some of Tamika's family members, they talk with WAFB9 in that first week of her disappearance. And her aunt, Frankie Smith, says that this tragedy of Tamika going missing was a punch to their gut. This family had been through enough tragedy recently. So how could something like this happen again? It seems that it's Tamika's mom, Frankie's sister, who had died almost exactly six years earlier on Valentine's Day, February 14th. So this is February 23rd. So like exactly six years later, her daughter's now going missing. Now, take it with a grain of salt a little because it could have been a different sister of Frankie's, not Tamika's mother. But from the articles I read, it seems that they were speaking about Tamika's mom. Regardless, if it's either Tamika's mom or another one of Tamika's aunts that passed away six years before this, Frankie said, quote, this month on the 14th, on the On February 14th, my sister died and now my niece is missing and it's really hard on the family, end quote. Hmm. Yeah, I know. That's sad. Like the month of February just turns into this like horrible month of devastation for Tamika's family and they have to relive that every year in February. Kind of both those tragedies together. Do you know how the mom died? I don't because, again, not hardly any information. They just didn't think the deaths were related though. No, they didn't think the deaths were related at all. It was just like, wow, this sucks. Like six years ago, we were going through this exact same thing at the exact same time. Not obviously the exact same thing, but you know, that devastation of like losing someone, even this missing thing is probably even a bit harder because Tamika has two sons. So Everyone, I feel like when someone's missing, it's just, it's got to be so much, like, what's the word? I don't know, so much harder on, like, your mental, like, how do you wrap your mind around that someone's just, like, not there? Where are they? Yeah. Yeah, that would be just so hard. So, regardless of the police telling them that there was no evidence of foul play, her family knows better. It's obvious that something was really wrong here. Frankie has said, Quote, they don't suspect foul play, but my niece would never leave her children. She would never leave her children. End quote. Now, Tamika, she hadn't been answering her calls since that February 23rd day in 2010. And we know she didn't return home. 
She also didn't take any clothes with her. She didn't take a cell phone charger and she didn't take a single item she would need to thrive and survive out there if she were running off, leaving her old life behind. Frankie said, quote, she did not bring anything with her. If she was not planning on coming back, she would have took clothes or a phone charger. She didn't even have the phone charger with her, end quote. Now, we've talked about this before. Like, obviously, Tamika didn't walk away from her family with no phone, charger, no clothes, yeah, no necessities. Well, I mean, I don't know anyone that's gone missing, but I would assume that if you were purposely going to leave your life, you would take some a few essential things. And I feel like in order to vanish from your life without a trace, without a clue as to where you might be, you'd actually have to have like an in-depth plan. You'd have to have like money stashed away. You like you can't just run off and then no one can find you. Which she did she did get a thousand dollars apparently. She did get $1,000 out, but, like, is that enough to, like, vanish? Like, no cell phone. Well, but then the thing is, is I don't know if the police have even tracked down her cell phone, you know? So, to me, I'm like, well, there's no cell phone trace, and there's, like, no trace of her, but then again, it's like, well, did the police look for her? I don't know. But I don't think she would walk away from her kids. I feel like a 25-year-old might think that $1,000 is enough. Yeah, and clearly $1,000 was probably a lot to her at this time in her life because she was buying a car with it. Like, she really needed that $1,000, it sounds like, to get that car. It It sounds like it was something that was, like, a large amount of money for her. So sure, maybe she could have, but I don't know. Like, would you really leave and like never talk to your kids again? I don't think that's normal for someone to do. And I didn't read anything about like previous mental health. It's possible, but probably unlikely. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like we can't imagine doing it. So it doesn't seem possible. Yes. Yeah, definitely. So and then the other thing is that none of her family believed she would leave her kids. So her two little boys, they were only 11 and 2. Did she live with her boyfriend or her family? I don't know. Don't know. <laughs> well. But I I would assume they lived together because it sounds like they were, you know, acting like as a family unit because it's their kids together It from some of the things he says about his kids missing their mom it sounds like the kids are living with him so I think they probably all live together can't guarantee it because no one is talking about the case did she have other siblings yes and I know she at least has a sister and a brother and they kind of speak to her case um, here in a bit I have some quotes from them just like going along with you know me not feeling like she it's likely that she would walk away from her kids or even her long-term boyfriend. Frankie kind of reiterates that, saying, quote, she would not leave her children. I'm going to tell you that now. She loved her kids, end quote. It was super hard in those early days of the disappearance, and it's still hard today for Ashley Anderson, Tamika's sister, to see her two nephews suffer without their mother, to wonder where their mom is, to cry for her, and to ask if she will ever come home. So in that first week of Tamika going missing, Ashley said, quote, we're left in the dark. We don't have answers. We don't know what's going on. We don't know if she's dead or alive. All we can do is pray for the best and prepare for the worst. And it hurts. End quote. 
Well, that would suck as a kid if you thought your mom left. Oh, I know. And like and abandoned you, but if she was really murdered and you felt that way, you had to feel those feelings like your whole teenage years. Yeah. And you're probably I mean, even though I feel like that's the hard thing with the missing, like in the it just probably destroying your mental state is I feel like let's say Jacob went missing and I didn't know where he was. I know he would never walk away from me or the kids. But then I think I would always be like, did he? Because I'll, I'll find him and take him down myself if he did. But then you'd come <laughs> back to like, no, he would never. But like, I could see that thought creeping in once in a while. Like, could they have left? Like, would they? Mm-hmm. You know, even though, like, just because you're so confused. Like, where did they go? Yeah. I would hate that. No, that would be very emotionally disturbing. Yeah. Like, draining. So Tamika's boyfriend, he reiterates that hurt and the pain by talking about their two-year-old son. And he talks about how this two-year-old just keeps crying out for his mama every day, which was sad to me. And their 11-year-old actually started having nightmares really bad and was waking up because of these like horrible nightmares he was having because he's constantly worrying about his mom. So her family, they just have no answers. There are only a few media sources even covering Tamika's case in that first week of her going missing. Like there was like three articles that covered her case in that first week and then just nothing. And I found, you know, a few other things like randomly here and there, but like that's it. It got coverage for like a minute when her family was trying to look for her and then that's that. So the cops aren't caring. They aren't doing anything. Yeah. She has a profile on um, the Charlie Project, which is made for missing persons cases that have little information. And, you know, they have the Baton Rouge Police Department, their number up there, and they say to contact them. Yet, like, it's been a long time. It's been 12 years. And I've never heard of this case. i doubt many other people have because like I said three articles on the week she goes missing that's just sad how how come the world doesn't care I know like when I see stuff like this it's like um she has two kids I want to know where she is like I want to know so now was she african-american she is yes she's a black woman living in Baton Rouge and it does sound like And we'll kind of get into it with the theories, but her brother talks about like this street code and how they feel like people know things. I don't know much about that, but I'll kind of like get into what he says about it and whatnot and why he thinks it's just like not being taken seriously or cared about. Well, I mean, it's just such a huge difference. Like look at Gabby Petito or like even Mm -hmm. Elizabeth Smart. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think how much media coverage those two cases got and how huge it got blown up and people kept talking about them and talking about them like why why on them and why not other people exactly it seems actually very strange to me that she went to go meet for a car and then goes missing yet no one no one cares like they're not like oh that's really weird do you think it's like the community that these people live in because, like, I mean, Elizabeth Smart, she was went missing in Utah. I'm from here. Like, people, like, care about that kind of stuff. Like, there's a really good community feel here. 
mm-hmm. feel like and feel like people want to do their best to help. And do you think that they would still do their best like if it was someone that wasn't like because Elizabeth was her family was like kind of prominent and like had some money and I know it's like would they I mean there's got to be more people that went missing in Utah right that we probably haven't heard about but yes I do I do think it has some what to do with the community Tamika comes from and I'm not from there I have not been there I only think that because of what her brother says I just don't know, like, do the cases get blown up because of the community? They cannot just get blown up because they're white girls. Can they? I mean, that would be stupid. It would be so stupid. I think that's why everyone gets annoyed of it. Because they're like, this is stupid. Other people, like, are missing. But it's the people that do it. I mean, it's people that care about it. It's us. It's like you. It's the public. It's us having to share the stories. Like, we, as the public, have to see a story and share it like regardless of what they look like or where they came from or even like if their story isn't crazy interesting think of all the people who are missing that don't have a weird story to go along with it do people not care about that as much what if Tamika's story was shared so much and people are like yes I saw her on her way to Galvez like I saw her yeah but why wasn't her story shared Was it shared? No. Obviously not because you only found three articles. And her family tried. I mean, they were out there with missing, but it's like it's only her family that cared. But then I also wonder, like the police have barely put any information out there. So is it a mixture of how hard the police are working on it and like the public getting the information and then spreading it? I don't know. It's annoying. It is. Because I want to know where she is. I'm confused about the whole thing. And, you know, there there's even a little there's something else that makes it even more weird, but also even more solvable. So we know that the police don't have any evidence of foul play, but one of them does say something that they aren't like completely putting Tamika to the side in their minds and sticking to that thought that she may have walked away. It's Don Kelly with the Baton Rouge Police Department who said that while they don't have that evidence to lead them to, you know, anyone, they do agree that her disappearance is unusual. Mm-hmm. Obviously. Yeah. Like <laughs> like we said, clearly unusual. Did they look into her car, who she was going to meet? Who- That's the thing. It's like. That had to have been easy to find. Can you let us know? And that Did their family know? And I feel like, yes, police do, like, keep some things to themselves, right? But also, like, if you're letting the public know you're having little bits, like, that, I feel like, helps fuel the public being, like, excited. Like, okay, they found this. Like, what else can we do, you know? But when you just hear nothing. Like, you're just not thinking about it. Because, you know, the police aren't saying anything. You're thinking they're doing something. And then... 12 years goes by and nothing has happened. So Tamika Anderson, she is five foot one inches tall and she weighed around 150 pounds at the time of her disappearance. We know she was 25 years old when she goes missing and she would be 37 years old today. She was born on December 18, 1984, and her hometown was Baton Rouge, Louisiana. She is a black woman with hazel eyes and black hair. And she has four distinct tattoos. So there's a flower on one of her upper arms and then the name Malik on one of her on her upper right arm. 
Now, maybe this is a name of one of her sons or another loved one's name. And then also on her upper right arm, she has a portrait of her mom tattooed. That kind of also was part of the reason that led me with what her aunt was saying about her sister dying and her niece missing. And maybe she got that portrait after her mom passed away six years earlier. And then her last tattoo, she has five stars on the right side of her neck and her ears are also pierced. So at first glance, it seems maybe somewhat obvious. Like, okay, Tamika withdrew money to meet someone to buy a car. She goes to buy that car but never returns. So clearly the person she was meeting was a danger and she met foul play at that meeting. But maybe not. This case might have only a little bit of information, but one thing is for sure. It is not as clear as you may think at first glance. I was dumbfounded that police weren't able to track who she met and just solve the case from there. And honestly, I'm even more dumbfounded once I found the second piece of information out that the police were not able to figure out what happened to her and find more leads at least. So, Was Tamika really ever going to meet with a real person for that car? Now, you may have had the thought earlier when I said Tamika was on her way 25 miles out to meet someone for that car in Galveston. Like, how was she getting there? She had to have driven there, so how would she have then gotten both cars back? Or she had to have been driven there. Tamika wasn't walking 25 miles away to buy this car. Tamika had confirmed with her family and friends that she was going with an acquaintance to purchase this car. Tamika had a ride out there, yet it seems that no one close to her knows who this acquaintance was, which seems very strange to me. I have all these questions like, okay, so when she called, was she just like, hey, a friend's giving me a ride out to buy this car? She just like doesn't say their name. No one asks who it is. Because I would think at least her boyfriend would know who she was going with. Yeah, you think he'd be asking questions. Yeah. Who's your friend? What friend's taking you? Tamika's family, they could have been interviewed before police found this out. Well, I mean, they knew she... No, they couldn't have been interviewed before they found this out because... She called them saying she was with an acquaintance. (laughs) I was thinking like maybe the police told them later on, but no, like they told the police she was with an acquaintance, but no one knows who it was. They, Yeah. Strange. Did they find her phone? I have no idea. (laughs) I don't (laughs) think so. Because maybe they would have more information. Phone record. I am highly doubting they got her phone records. And that's like my question. Why aren't you doing well, anything? You think they'd be able to find the acquaintance through her phone records. That's what I mean. Like it's so easily solvable. You get her phone records and see who she met up with. Or you see that she was contacting someone to go buy this car. Did you talk to the guy she was supposed to meet up with? Was it a real person? All you need is her phone records. <laughs> like that's all you need. Right? I don't know. It seems so simple, but that's what's uh, like so frustrating. Yes. So I don't know if the police are do know who it is and are keeping his identity private to the public. I do get that they sometimes do that. They also must not have been caught on camera at the Telco Federal Credit Union, the car nor the person driving her. Or are, again, are the police keeping this information quiet? 
Or did they even check the cameras at the Telco Federal Credit Union? <laughs> like, did you look for her? Because someone dropped her did off. Did the family ask? Yeah. Someone dropped her off to withdraw that $1,000. ATMs have cameras. Does the family believe she was murdered or do they think she went left? They do not think she left. And I'll get into a couple things that they do think here in a minute. Like they think that something went down with this acquaintance. They don't think it's a person that she was meeting with. They think it's the friend who was driving her. That did something to her? Yes. But they don't know who that person is. Do they bug them? The police, I wonder. (laughs) I don't know if they feel comfortable that they can even. I'm not sure. So when I found out that she had a friend driving her to meet up, it changed everything for me in the case. Because originally I did think like she met up with this person to buy a car and clearly that person harmed her and like did not sell her a car. Probably just took her money or, you know, wanted to be a creep. So, you know, I find this out and now I have so many questions. It was Detective Lindsay Keller who has stated that Tamika confirmed with friends and family that she was in fact en route to Galvez as a passenger in a friend's car, a friend who she was riding with. So that makes sense. That's the only way she would have been able to get to Galvez and then get that car and bring the car home that same day, which was her plan. So she needed dropped off at this meeting point and then she would drive that car home while the person who drove her would then drive their own car back. And from here, it's just all speculation. So did the friend and her just bounce? Was it a girlfriend? Was it a boyfriend? I don't know. There's a couple rumors surrounding it. Again, I'm going to talk about some of the rumors because There's almost no information. Like, I normally don't want to talk about rumors in a case where you pretty much know the facts, but you don't know any facts here. (laughs) Like, we, you kind of have to talk about the things that are being said. So, it seems highly likely that Tamika met foul play at the hands of this acquaintance, taking her to this meetup. Had they heard Tamika discussing buying a car and knowing that she was going to withdraw $1,000? So they offer her this ride with ill intentions to take that money for themselves. Tamika's family does believe something along these lines happened. However, they feel that there is a strong street code there in Baton Rouge that is the reason for so much silence on Tamika's case. Quentin Anderson is Tamika's brother and he is the one to speak on this code and what it may mean there. Again, like I said earlier, I'm not from Baton Rouge. I'm from a small little country town in Idaho. So I don't think I know anything about like street code or if it's a problem anywhere or if it's a problem in Baton Rouge. But here is what Quentin had to say about it. Quote, we all see things going on and we feel like we have to stick to some some street code. With the silence in the communities, the abductions, the shootings, and robberies, we will never have a better community if we don't communicate with each other, end quote. And Tamika's uncle, David Smith, so this is Frankie's husband, he told WAFB9 the same thing when talking about the family's efforts out on the streets themselves and what they experienced while handing out flyers and asking questions. Quote, no one was talking, end quote. So it seems that they both feel that people there in Baton Rouge do know something, Mm -hmm. but won't say anything. I was watching a Netflix, I think, documentary. I can't even remember 
what it was about really but i do remember it was about this teenage kid that got murdered mm-hmm. on the streets mm-hmm. actually it was about that have you heard of the one like the pharmacy where the pharmacist like tries to shut down the opioid cells no in his city but that they had the same thing they had a street code where like people probably saw the scene but nobody was talking because if they did then this they would probably come after them yeah so I did I did find a reddit thread where some people were discussing Tamika's case outside of those same old three regurgitated articles that made the rounds right when Tamika went missing and one commenter spoke to the street code that Quentin and David are talking about. And this comment reads, quote, the annoying thing is where she's from. Nobody is ever going to talk. The street code, if you will, is adhered to for so many different reasons. Some people don't want police attention. Then the folk that tend to live on the proper side of the law don't want to draw criminal attention. It's a really uncomfortable spot to be in. I grew up in a place like this. Someone could get beaten in the street in front of 20 people and nobody saw his face. He looks like a man with with hair and a face. I hope she makes it home one way or another, end quote. So that's kind of like what you said. Yeah, that's exactly how that Netflix documentary was. I'm going to look that up while I tell you what it is. Don't do the street code. Like, tell people. So... Tamika's family, they truly need someone to speak up for them. So if you saw something, don't hesitate to make a call to turn someone in who took a mother from two sons and a loved one away from people who are missing her. You can call Crime Stoppers with a 100% anonymous tip like no one would ever know you called it in. And for this case, you can call Crime Stoppers at 255 344 Seven eight six seven. Yeah. So this Netflix documentary was the pharmacist, mm-hmm. and they were in Louisiana. Wow, exact same place, and so it it must be like a legit thing there. Yeah, you should watch it. It will remind you of this. I will. It is very sad, but then you also see their side of why they're so scared. Yeah, and why they don't want to talk to the police and all of that. It, like, it's sad all the way around. Like, they're, we got to build some sort of trust going on here Yeah, between everybody. This guy was just fighting for his son to find out how he died. And no one would talk. Mm-mm. But then it went on. He went on to fight, like, the big pharmaceutical companies because there, doc- uh, there was a doctor there that was just giving out, um, like, opioids just freely oh. you know there was clinics in their town and and wow so then he went on to fight the big pharma oh, okay because did his son overdose on o- opioids is that well he was going out to this certain part of town i think to buy oh the drugs and he ended up getting murdered oh, okay so mm-hmm. it was like all related yeah and he wanted people to like stop selling that on the street and stuff wow mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to have to watch that because that's that's actually crazy that it's also from Louisiana, where we're talking about right now. So same thing going on. Now, there are some other theories to this case. There's no evidence, right? So I guess who truly knows if this friend of Tamika's is who made her disappear? 
or maybe they even had help. So Tamika's Aunt Frankie, she believed in those first days that maybe Tamika was being held against her will. And while she was trying to keep the fear out and the faith in, that hope turned into fear that Tamika was set up in the most evil way. Quote, I believe it was a setup. They knew she got her income tax. She told them how much money she had. Someone saw something that morning. Someone saw Tamika get into a car as she left her house that morning, but nobody is talking. End quote. Did someone who knew Tamika have the knowledge somehow that Tamika had gotten that tax return? And then knowing that Tamika needed a car, could they have set up a fake sell of a car that never existed? They could have made like a fake advertisement or maybe even had a second perpetrator in on it to be like the contact source for Tamika as she set this up. Or the friend could have set the whole thing up telling Tamika themselves that they found a car, showing her a picture maybe, telling her it was a thousand dollars, they would call the person, that they would set up this meeting, knowing that Tamika would never even make it to the meetup to find out there was not a car. Well, and that's crazy that it's a thousand dollars. I'm sorry. (laughs) I know. I thought the same thing. Like you're seriously going to murder this person who must be somewhat of your friend because she's taking a ride with you over a thousand dollars. One of these options could have happened or neither of them could have happened. We don't really know because, again, police have given the public zero information on if there really was a person with a car ready to meet Tamika and then, like, was ghosted. And then, like, they would have been confused because Tamika never showed up. But I feel like we would know so much more about what direction it went if police investigated and found out if there was a real person she was meeting for a car mm-hmm. or if there was not. You, th- you would think they would have done that. Yeah. But did they? I don't think so. But I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I read about two rumors. Again, these are rumors. So take it with a grain of salt. Like I said earlier, because of the lack of information shared or known in this case, I feel that any and all suggestions need to be talked about. So there's this Reddit user who found a Facebook post where a commenter by the name of D shared some information and the commenter seems to be friends with Tamika Anderson, maybe someone that knew her, grew up there with her, maybe was friends with her, someone that Tamika somewhat knew. And the commenter states that the acquaintance was a mysterious man whose name was given to the police and that the police had brought this person in for questioning two separate times, but it clearly led to nothing because here we are 12 years later with no answers. So that's kind of where I was like, are police keeping this person's name quiet because they have nothing to do with Tamika's disappearance or they don't have enough evidence so they don't want to give his name to the public or is this a rumor and they don't have any idea who it is a lot of questions i don't know that's what's so frustrating about the whole case if there was a sliver more like a sliver more of information we would know more and would be able be able to narrow it down more and you know her family would have somewhat of an idea of what could have happened So I don't know if these steps were taken to look at phone records, to cross-check stories, to see who she was in contact with, to check surveillance footage along the streets and at the Telco Federal Credit Union. Either these steps were taken with no evidence gathered or 
this investigation never even happened. And there is one more rumor that I found, and I actually found it rumored on Reddit, and I read it in an article. So, again, take it with a grain of salt. But that is that Tamika did make it to the meeting spot, and while she's there in Galvez, waiting for the person to show up with that car, she calls a friend from her cell phone and said that the seller was not yet th- was not there yet, and she's just sitting there waiting for him to show. Now, this could, again, throw the case in a whole other direction from the acquaintance theory. Is it possible Tamika's friend actually dropped her off at the meeting place? Let's say the friend's in a hurry and is like, yeah, I'll take you. And then when they're there and waiting for this person to show up, they're like, hey, you know, would you mind waiting here for that car? And then once you buy that car, you can drive it back like I got to go, you know, could they have dropped her off? And then she either met foul play with the person she was buying the car from or she could have even met foul play with a passerby completely unrelated to the entire situation. So again, it's just like even more up in the air than I can wrap my head around. So the possibilities are endless when information is so vague and so limited. Now, like I said earlier, I haven't seen this case reported on since 2010. Hardly anyone knows about it. Almost no one is talking about it. Can the Baton Rouge Police Department confirm that you guys did do an investigation. Like, hey, did you look into this? (laughs) Is there like one road this case might go down or like seems to have gone down? And, you know, I would love it if they let the public somewhat know anything they found in Tamika's case, if they looked at phone records, who they talked to and whatnot. Because Tamika's sons, they deserve answers and Tamika's story deserves to be discovered. Her life was more valuable than three short articles with little to no information. Tamika Anderson, people are looking for you and they want to find you. Her oldest son has taken on the responsibility to share memories of their mother with his little brother. He wants to keep her memory alive and always remind him of the loving mother they should have grown up with. Thanks for listening. This episode was all created by me, Kayla Waters. My co-host is Alicia Jenkins. Our palate cleanser giver is Charlie Waters. And all our music was created by Jaden Schultz, who you can find on Instagram at In Pajamas Music. Hi, I'm Charlie Waters. And this is your palate Did you know in Louisiana, they love a crawdad boil? I went fishing for crawdads once, but I never caught them. We only ever caught one in Idaho. But when we were in Lake Powell, we got four. But that's hilarious because you're supposed to get a ton. We love crawfish and good crab boil. Maybe I need to go to a... Louisiana to learn how to get fishing for crawdads. And I can't wait to eat them. Bye. Have a great day.
For our organization today, I wanted to highlight the Crime Stoppers in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, because with what we talked about, how no one is talking, I really think you guys should try and utilize Crime Stoppers there in Baton Rouge. No one has to know you sent in this tip. Police won't even know that you gave a tip to Crime Stoppers. There is no way for them to track you down or find you nothing. So please, if you see something, if you can help a family, please, please, please utilize this organization. You can visit www.crimestoppersbr.com and you will find the Greater Baton Rouge Crime Stoppers. There's a link there where you can submit a tip completely anonymous. You can do that online. You can also call that number that I highlighted in the episode, the Greater Baton Rouge Crime Stoppers. Please, 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 again, consider helping Tamika's family if you know anything. You can also find us on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, or Facebook. And you know what, guys? Our Twitter needs a lot of help. I just joined in March of 2002. 2002? 2022. I just barely joined. And it's is sad. I only had like nine followers there at one point. So if you love True Crime Exposed, make sure to go follow us on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also visit our website at www.truecrimeexposedpodcast.com. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review if you are so kind. And please share these episodes with your friends and family and help spread the word.